bring about these qualities in our life. His love. So that we're not loving with a fleshly love. And that we're not loving with a, a love just to get. But we're really loving with an agape love that really wants to give and uplift others. And today, that old song is true. The world needs love. It needs a genuine love. Because people don't know who really loves them. It needs a joy. This world is so insecure that it has lost its ability to rejoice and to really have a true joy. And today, as we come to this word peace, we're looking for peace. And, and marijuana is not so much sometimes used for health reasons as it is to get me out of my worldly agony and give me a peace of mind. Alcohol is used to forget your troubles. And the only thing it brings is what? Trouble. We use all type of drugs for the purpose of having a peace of mind. And we even go and ask the doctor, can you prescribe me something that I can have a little peace and, and that I can sleep and, and, and that I can do this? How many of you are aware, if you really just read God's word, you'll fall asleep? But we're looking for peace. We have never lived in a culture that is so medicated with psychological drugs. Because even at a very young age, Kids are so disturbed in mind and heart. We call it a dysfunctional home. We call it a, an unhappy home. We call it a home that's in trouble. But the effects that takes place in the life of the children who are brought up in those homes oftentimes lead them to early medication to help control their mind. Because they can't figure it out. The Lord says peace. And he speaks peace to us. And there's a reason he speaks peace. He can't use us when we're all wrapped up in the troubles of this world and the things of this world. Remember this above all else. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. When you're confused, stop. Don't do anything. Stop. And begin to pray, Lord, what's my directions? What's my direction? Wait upon the Lord, and he'll renew your strength. Wait upon the Lord, and he'll give you direction. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. And sometimes that's hard to wait. 
Because we want everything win right now. Why peace is missing in the daily life of so many? Even Christians. Why is it that we're missing this peace that God promises? I want to give you these four scriptures. Why? And like I said, I hope you will take this word yourself and just study it out further. Each one of these qualities of the Spirit who lives in you, who wants to produce these qualities in your life that you would really dig into. I hope I can just whet your appetite for it. Because there's no way we're going to cover it all here. But peace is something that man is looking for. Turn to Psalms 34, 14. You have to seek it. You have to really desire it. You have to desire to go after it. And oftentimes, we don't want to go after peace because oftentimes, peace is only found on the other side of much trouble. Sometimes you've got to fight a battle to get some peace. But you won't have peace until you fight that battle. You know the battle's coming even with your children, but you won't what? Fight the battle right now. You don't want to go through it. You're tired. You're warm. We've got to go through this every day. You fight that battle. And you'll have peace in your home. You go through things sometime to discover peace. But you've got to seek it. You've got to desire it. You've got to want it. So in 34.14, he simply says, Turn from evil, turn from evil, and do good. Now that's our trouble here. Because to do good is not always fashionable. To, to do good sometime for us don't always look like it's going to be profitable for us. To do good, sometimes it looks like I'm going to help the other person more than I'm going to help who? Me. And he says, turn from evil and do good. Do good. Now, understand this. Just because you do good doesn't mean everything pans out for you. And oftentimes we won't do good because we can't see how it will benefit who? We need to understand. We're called of God of good works. And we are to do good even when we might suffer for it. We do good even when we think sometimes people will take advantage of us. We do good because we're called to do that. We're made to do that. To do that which is good. And sometimes it will astonish people by what you do when it's good. And he goes on and he says, turn from evil and do good. Now, here comes the other part. Seek the peace. Seek it. In other words, work for it. To have peace in a relationship, in a marriage, you got to work at it. It just doesn't happen. you got to communicate through those issues, through those problems, through those situations. And that doesn't mean you'll always come out the winner. 
But you learn how to negotiate and how to compromise with each other. And what you want coming out of that situation is a win-win for both of us, if possible. If not, the Lord says, you learn to suffer for righteousness' sake. And he says, seek it. Seek it. Seek it. How many of you are really seeking peace? Some of you will say, I'll never have peace with that person. So I'm not going to try. No. God still commands you, seek peace. I know that verse in Romans. If possible. Well, it's possible because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He didn't say it would be easy. But you are to go after it. Now, the other person may not respond in a positive way. But you're doing your part. You're doing your part. Real peace is only found also in the scripture. Isn't it amazing how people are looking for peace of mind and peace of heart everywhere else? We go to ungodly counselors looking for peace. We look for peace even in the bar room. The person we're sitting next to becomes our advisor. He can't go home, but he's going to tell you what you need to do to go, in order to go home. And the whole process is that we have to come to a place to understand if I really want peace in my heart and my mind, you have to understand whose mind is on God, he will keep in a perfect peace. If you will turn your mind over to the Lord and really ask for that mind of Christ, he will keep you in perfect peace. And that mind begins to dwell upon the things of God. And it will keep you. Turn to Psalms 119, Psalms 165, the verse 165. Listen to what he says. Great peace. Not just peace. But he's describing this peace. Great peace. Great peace. Something that you would never expect to discover. This is great. This is magnificent. This is wonderful. This is exciting. Great peace, he says. Great peace had they who love your law. Catch that. Great peace they have who love your word. The Lord says, renew your mind. When you renew your mind with the word of God, you begin to have a peace. When you allow this word to penetrate your mind and your heart, it begins to have an effect in your life. Oftentimes, we just read the word. Now, understand what I'm going to say. If you read the word out of duty, well, that there's great. At least you're in it. But if you're reading the word with the mind, Lord, speak to me and change me, that's different. Duty, you're reading it whether you get anything out of it or not. You can say, I read the word. You can say, I did my devotion. You can say, well, I read the book of John, or I read Romans. thing is, 
how's it really affecting your life? So when you go to the Word, it's a mentality of how you go to the Word. Are you going there to discover what God has for you, or are you just going there just to read? Are you going there just to be able to talk with other people? Are you going there just to be able to say, well, I did this, or I did this, or I know that? But you're not really going there to equip yourself to be used of God. And God says, boy, here's great peace. And look what else he says about God's word or his law. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That you love God's word because it does give you great peace. It does allow you to really know that relationship is real. I love his word because of what it's doing to me as an individual. The effects it's having in my life. How it's ordering my steps. How it's controlling my thought life. How it's removing my depressions. Boy. Go on any psych ward at the hospital. The biggest thing you will hear from most people talking about demons and the demons' voices. And begin to just share with them God's word a little bit at a time. See how it calms the mind. Help them to focus on what God says. See what it does. It has an effect that the psychiatrist cannot explain. For a number of years, I worked on the psych ward at Akron General. And my thing was, I didn't have to carry the Bible. I didn't have someone, but I give them the word, and when they got there, they were sometime mad. Who taught you that? Now we open the word. You know, because they're asking the question. And he says, I love the Lord's word. When you love God's word, it will have an effect on your heart and your mind. Because now you're seeking for something far greater. He says, we often settle for a false peace. That false peace is short-lived. Sometimes we think things are calming down. What the old folks used to say, that stillness before the storm, that's a false peace. And the thing that you want to catch is this here. You want a continuous peace in your life. You want it there. And you want to be at peace. And you want to know God's direction. Understand this. You cannot hear God's instructions in confusion. You don't hear God's voice with a troubled mind. And a mind going everywhere. And oftentimes we just allow ourselves to fall into this trap. Because certain things we won't do. Go to Isaiah 59 and verse 8. He starts off with this here. And he simply says, let me get there, boy. He says, the way of peace they do not know. Now understand that. 
There's a lot of people who do not know the way of peace. So there is a way to peace. And we're going to talk about that too along the way here. Because the way to peace is to discover Jesus Christ. The way to peace. Peace just isn't automatically what? Given. Nor do you go here out here and just stumble over peace. You're seeking peace. You're desiring peace. You love peace that comes through the scripture. And the scripture is going to always point you to Jesus Christ. And he says in this area here, boy, peace, people don't know. Because he is even called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And he goes on there in that verse 58, and he, I'm going to 59 verse 8, he says, The way of peace they do not know, there is no justice in their path. Now catch that. You never have peace if you are not a person willing to teach yourself how to follow the rules of God and of man. You'll never have peace if you're a rule breaker and you're always breaking rules and regulations. You'll never have peace. You can put that test on yourself because the moment you break a rule, you begin to do what? Because you think somebody's seen, somebody know, it hits your mind right away, instantly. The moment you go through a stop sign, what happens? You broke the rule. The moment you lie, you know it, what happens? God has built it in that quickly we understand there's no peace. We lose it right now. We lose it right now. Over the simple little things sometimes we do. And he says this area by justice. If you're not one who is willing to do what is right, that's what the word justice here, the right, you won't have peace. You won't have peace until you learn how to do what is right. You won't have peace. The other day, Elaine and I was at a uh, wedding, a wonderful wedding. And um, when we sat down to eat, I was kind of like watching the young people behind us. When I say young, they were in their 20s maybe, 19 to 25, somewhere in there. And they are just going. But I was noticing something because when we sat down, you had all the forks, knives, and knife, spoons up in front. They didn't know where to start. <laughs> and they was in trouble in mind, didn't know which fork to pick up for the main course. Troubled in mind because they didn't know what to do with this or that. Just, just troubled. Because, again, unless you're taught righteous living, you don't know how. And what we're forgetting in our culture today, some kids grow up in homes only seeing the wrong. They're brought up in homes constantly fighting with the law. People who break the laws and break every rule. See, until you become a person under God's authority who is willing to accept the rules, knowing that God is the highest authority and nothing in your life 
will ever affect you without God giving the okay to it. That every law that is written is of God. Even when we think it's a bad law, God has allowed it because there's times that God allows things in society to get to us to a point that we're crying out to him. And he says there, boy, they don't know justice. They don't know how to follow rules. They don't desire to follow rules. They don't desire to even learn rules. And we see that more and more today. Even in grade school, it's hard for the teacher to have control of her class because some little three-year-old, four-year-old, ten-year-old want to control it rather than submit to authority. And if you're a person who will not submit to authority that's over you, then you're not going to have peace. Understanding, yes, Job said, a man born of a woman will have trouble all his days. We're always going to have trouble around us. But the peace we're talking about is the peace within that you can endure the trouble and find directions how to go through and overcome the troubles. Because as long as you are living, you're going to have some type of problem, some type of trouble, something, a trial to go through. But it's how you're going to go through it. Who's going to take you through it? The second, the third thing here that he says... Boy, if you're underlying this one here, in that verse 8, he says, The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their path. Now, now, now look what takes place, because this has becomes habitual in a lot of people's life who don't follow rules. They want to make their own rules. Your rules are wrong, but their rules are right. So it says, boy, they have turned them into crooked roads. Crooked roads. Not straight. Crooked. They're going to make their own rules. It's crooked. It's wrong. They're not going to follow the rule, but your rules are unjust. So they want to come into your company and rewrite your rules. They want to come into your home and rewrite your rules. They want to come into your life and rewrite your rules. And the whole thing is this here. Life is not that difficult if you understand Scripture. Life is not this broad. Life is this. For broad is the way of destruction, but narrow is the way of righteousness. Every man goes through the same trials. For the Lord says in 10.13, they're all common unto us. We all have the same problems. The question is how we deal with them and where we get our directions from. Who's leading us? Who's guiding us? Whose advice we're hearing? And he says, boy, they make their own crooked rules and look at the result of it. He says, no one who walks in them will know peace. You make your own crooked rules and you're going to do it your way and you're going to follow your rules because it's what's right for you. God says, no one who walks in those will prosper. 
or have peace. You, God did not give you the right to make the rules. Even in our home, that's why God somewhat governs the marriage relationship. Understand this simple thing about women's rights. If you really go back and study it and look at it, it came about because men abused women. It was the abuse that women came. And women got smart enough to say, I can go to the law and the law can protect me. And still today, man thinks he can abuse a weaker individual and the law won't step in. And the whole purpose of law is to protect the weak from the strong. It's how a society has to function with all these people, men, women, and children. But law is always basically based on the fact that it is protecting the weak from the strong who will take advantage and who will hurt and destroy. And he says those who will follow in those crooked rules that they make for themselves, they will know no peace. Watch the lives of people who are always in turmoil. Who's always going from one crisis to another crisis to another. And then when you listen to them, you wonder, where did you come up with that? Who told you that? Who taught you that? Well, I thought it was the right thing to do. It's totally wrong. Nobody with a good mind who, who could think it through would have ever did that. But yet, we hear so much foolishness anymore, and we're scared to respond to it, that people are, don't even hear good wisdom or knowledge or correction. And for Christians, we're almost scared to correct each other because of the response. I serve God just like you do. I read his word just like you do. But God says, boy, they have turned them into crooked roads, and no one who walks in them will know peace. You have to practice justice and doing right if you want to have peace. If you really want to have peace. Now, the other part of this is this here. If you're not willing to listen, you won't even learn the ways of peace. You have to have an ear to hear. Because God wants to instruct you, and he's going to instruct you through the power of his Holy Spirit. He's going to instruct you through the words of others as they even speak. You've got to be able to discern and you got to be able to listen. But most of the time anymore, all we want to listen to is our own voice. We want to come to that place where, yes, I'm right. Everybody else is what? Let me share something with you. The majority is not always right. I understand that. But if you're going to live 
in a society, whether you like it or not, the norm sets the rules. And when you're found outside of those rules or those regulations, you're no longer part of the norm and they got a place for you. And oftentimes you'll hear people, well, I'm not of the norm. What does that mean? You're a little crazy, you're a little off, you're an eyeball, you're, you're a weirdo. Because whether you want to realize it or not, if you're not of the norm, as I told a young man, it's not normal for you talking about getting married and you and your bride going to sleep down there in the woods off of Ford Street and you don't have nothing. Well, we love each other. You don't love her. You really don't love yourself. Because, see, one of the first things of life is that you really treasure this body and take care of it. And you do good to it. And you treat your wife as you would treat your own what? Yeah. And she has other needs that need to be taken care of, that can't be taken care of in the woods. In Psalms 85, he says, we will not listen. We will not listen. And it's the first part of that part that oftentimes that we find ourselves really struggling with. He says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. How many of you taught yourself to listen? Listen to Scripture. Listen to others who have been prosperous because of God's leading in their life. That you listen to others. But you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and you listen to the Word of God. Understanding. Yeah, for every verse I give, you can give a counter verse. And you can find yourself fighting against God. And sometimes I've even shared with people, have you read the verses before and the verses after? I know what you're talking about, about that verse, but you need to put it in its proper content. And he says, I will learn to listen. How many of you really believe God wants to speak to you? He's not a teacher if he cannot speak. He's not an idol or it's an idol who cannot speak. God wants to guide us. He wants to instruct us. He wants us to learn how to live life the way he's planned it for us and the plan he has for you. And he says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace. And what God speaks is peace. When I do it God's way, it's peace. When I follow God's instruction, it's peace. At first it may not look like it because Satan's going to do everything 
to me to cause me to abandon what God is saying and what God's word says and say, well, there's got to be an easier way. There's got to be a better way. But you can't beat God's word. God is not going to allow you to lose the battle if you stay with his word. A scrimmage is one thing, and you will have scrimmages. But if you hang in there with God's word, as we are saying, he that endure, if you endure, God's promise will come to pass in your life. I will listen to what the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints. But let them not return to what? Folly. Don't let them return to their own foolishness. Don't let them return to their own understanding. The Lord tells us, lean not on our own what? And what's the first thing we do? We lean on our own understanding. But seek the Lord first. And he'll direct your path. And we need to come to that place that we no longer see ourselves right in our own eyesight, in our own words, in our own thinking, in our own ability. He says, don't turn to your own foolishness. And guess what we do? We go back to our own foolishness. And we're going to lay out our plans according to the world. We're going to lay out our plans according to the ungodly. Rather than really hearing from God and the people of God. He said, are you the saints? Some translation says this. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Because see, if you're not faithful, God's not speaking. You can be all this and all that, but if you are not faithful, God's not speaking to you. And you're wondering why nothing works. But when you begin to get on a path of faithfulness with God, God's promise is he'll order your steps. He'll take you step by step because you're the faithful one. And when you're faithful, you'll see his promises coming to pass because you're faithful to stick with his word. You'll see it come to pass because you love his word. And he says... Are you faithful or are you a saint of God? Are you really living the way God would have you to live? Hey, he says, stop turning to your own foolishness. And we need to stop doing that and learn to live and understand. God really does want us to have peace and not turmoil. To be at peace and not in confusion. Very quickly here. Why is it important to have peace? You cannot follow God without peace. That's why you always hear people say, when I get right, then I... Well, you can't get right. No. I'm just not ready yet. You're right. You're not ready. And never will be ready until God does the work. Because, see, being a Christian... Is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ to do a work in you and through you through the Holy Spirit. Not dependent upon you to live the Christian life. It is the Holy Spirit who lives it through you 
as he teaches you how to die to yourself and be alive unto Christ. Why is it important? Go to John 14, 27. Jesus is talking about giving his peace, but I want you to see the reason why he's given his peace. Because he understands without this peace, certain things can't take place. And you'll be able to recognize it very quickly. In verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace. Now, now he, he didn't say worldly peace. He said, what kind of peace? My peace. My peace. My peace. The, the Romans always said, boy, yeah, I'll have peace. I'll go in and do what? Subdue the people. Slay the people. Well, that's a worldly type peace. And that's a forceful peace. You can force a peace that is a false peace. Because in the heart of the people who you are oppressing or forcing to be at peace with you really is not what? At peace with you. But you can think you have peace just because there's no trouble. But if you could look into the hearts and minds of those people, you would see a warring people against you. The peace is when there's no wrong thought about you coming from the heart of the other person or the mind of the other person. Now you have peace. Hey. Let's go a little further. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So I have peace. If we're believers, I have peace. But the thing is now, I have to activate that peace that comes through the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed upon them and said, receive what? The Holy Spirit. He allows us to know that the Spirit was coming. And then he gives us the fruit of the Spirit that will bring this quality into our life, peace. Look at the two reasons that he wants his disciples to have peace. And they had to face this the moment he was gone. If you go back to 14.1, look at what it says even before we read that. Do not let your heart be what? Troubled. When you serve the Lord, you're going to be troubled over a lot of things because God will ask you to do things that you don't know how to do or have the ability to do. And sometimes just outright fearful to do. You'll have enough people telling you what you can't do. And he says in that verse 27, I give you peace. I do not give you as the world gives. Now listen to what he says. Do not let your hearts be what? Yeah. When the heart is troubled, you can't hear the Lord. When the heart is troubled, you lose hope in the Lord. When the heart is troubled, you're trusting something else other than God. When the heart is troubled, you're looking for a way out of it, every kind of way but following the Lord. And he says, I give you peace that your heart won't be troubled. That's number one. The second thing he says in that verse is this here. Do not be afraid. I give you my peace that you won't be afraid. 
Because oftentimes with trouble comes what? Fear. And God's peace take away both of those. The troubleness of heart and the fear. Because oftentimes fear will stop you dead. And God says, I'm giving you peace. Why? You're going to be a worker for me. You're going to be moving for me. You're going to be doing for me. You're going to be hearing my instructions. And he knows we cannot hear him when our hearts are fearful and our minds are filled with confusion and troubleness of heart. When you're troubled at night and you're a walker, when do you find rest? Oftentimes I don't find rest until after I pray. Oftentimes I don't find rest until I spend time with the Lord. Every since Vietnam and cancer and everything, I can contribute to certain things. I have my little bouts with depression. And most of us in here have depressed times. But the only one who lifts me up is the Lord. It's not until I start reciting to myself what his word says to me. Do I see myself moving out of it? And the whole process is that he says, my peace is going to not take away the trouble, but I'm going to give you peace in the midst of the trouble that you can follow my instructions. I'm going to give you a peace that will not allow you to be so startled that you can't function for me, that you're so afraid. You have my peace. I'm going to remove those two things that you can function for me. Go over to 1633. How many of you believe that you're just overcomers? You're overcomers. Never asking the reason why you're an overcomer. There's a reason you're an overcomer. In 1633, he simply says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. It tells us to look at Jesus' life and then to answer the question, how did he overcome? Very simply, designed to do God's will. Nothing that this world caused him to lose focus on what the Father had called him to do. And because nothing could take his eyes off of being obedient to the Father, he overcame the things of the world. So therefore, when it tells us in Hebrew, he's been tempted in every manner that we have. Because of his focus on being obedient to the Father, even unto death, He was able to overcome 
all the things that came against him, even in the garden when he sweat blood. Father, this cup can pass. You don't think he was fearful of what's going to happen at the cross? You don't think that body was trying to say, I don't want to go through this hurt, through this pain. I don't want to go through these beatings. I don't want to go through the humiliation. I'm going to have to go. But not my will. Your will. Be done. Being obedient even when it causes me to suffer. Even... Being obedient when, it, when it's not the force that the world is doing. And I'm going to look foolish. Being obedient. And see, when you make up your mind to be obedient to God, it becomes God's responsibility to carry you through whatever the trouble is. Only thing you got to do is listen and follow. Listen and follow. And you'll be exactly what Jesus said, an overcomer. That's why over in Romans 8, he says, we are more than what? Conquerors. Because why? We've overcome. Why? Because we listen to the word of God. We listen to the Lord. We listen to the Lord. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Slow up, clock. Philippians 4 through 7. And we're in. I hit this one and just Colossians and we'll be done. We, you, you can write down the other two. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. His peace guards our hearts. Proverbs 4, 23. The issues of life proceeded from where? From the heart. God wants to guard our heart. In other words, every thought that comes into our mind, boy, it comes up from the heart. And he tells us, take every thought captive and bring it where? Under the obedience of Christ. Follow with me. Starting with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. That's the command. No matter what's going on in life, learn to do what? Rejoice. Even as Ken's song, sometimes, Lord, I just want to say thank you without asking for anything. Thank you, Lord, that I can give him thanks for all things. Just thank you, Lord. And he, he goes on, he says, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord. To all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about what? Yeah. That's what peace will do for you. Peace keeps you from being anxious. Peace keeps you from running ahead of God. Because peace gives you an assurance that God's involved in this. Peace allows you to know that God's going to take care of this. He's going to lead you in this. So therefore, you don't have to be anxious about any of it. You don't have to knock down doors. You don't have to make things happen. And he says, be anxious for nothing. And, and he goes on, he says, but in everything, by prayer and petition, that's where we fall falter. 
We don't take it where? To prayer. We don't start really petitioning God about it and talking. And he says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now catch verse 7. When I do these things, look what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Boy. Now, it don't surpass the understanding of man, of God, but it does pass the understanding of who? Because people will look at you and say, how can you endure that? How can you go through that? They have no understanding of the peace that you have while you're going through this. How can you sing this song? They won't understand it. And he said, the peace that surpasses the understanding of man. Because man cannot have this type of peace in and of himself. And he goes on and he says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Now look what it will do. Will guard your hearts which the issues of life flow from. In the mind where all the thoughts begin to attack you. That you'll have peace. You find a person who can't control their mind, I'll show you a person who can't sleep at night. I'll show you a person who's troubled in every situation. But he says, my peace will guard your hearts and your minds. Why? You're a worker for Christ. You're here to glorify Christ. Don't tell me God did not understand what you might go through. Yes, he did. That's why he says, I give you peace, my peace. A peace that the world don't know about. A peace the world doesn't know about. Last one, Colossians 3, 13 through 15. Very similar to Ephesians, uh, to Galatians 5, 22. When we started verse 13 through 15, he simply says, let me get there. Bear with each other. Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Only a person at peace with God is able to perform that. That you're able to bear with others who may do you wrong, who may misuse you, who may be a, a difficulty in your life. Can you ever imagine what God bears from us? What God bears from His people. He goes on and he says, Forgive forgive as the Lord forgave you. Only when you really understand the peace of God because of the forgiveness that God has granted unto you will you forgive others. Because you want them to have that peace. You don't want them going around talking about in their mind every time they see you, 
I know what I did to that person. I hurt that person. I did that. I, I did. It never rests up here. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You talk about somebody, then you see them, and guess what go through? Did they hear what I said? Did somebody tell them what I said? Forgiveness brings us a godly peace. He goes on, he says, in 14. And over all these virtues, put on love. Right back to that agape love. Which binds them all together in a perfect unity. Now catch 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Back to the heart again. Back to us. Let this peace rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, you were all called to what? Peace. You can't even have peace in church without God's peace and the peace of the Holy Spirit. Some of the things that go on in church, if you look at them, and you put up the qualities of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit or the behavior that should be controlled by the Spirit, it's very easy to say that's not a behavior of the Spirit. Oh, they're godly. They're church. No. There's a behavior. And that's not saying you can't speak against something. But even when you speak against it, you know a sovereign God that if you're right, you don't have to make yourself right. But that God will reveal it. And God will put a stop to it. And God will do. We need... Godly peace. Because when people do things to us, and we struggle with the forgiveness and so forth, it makes a distraction in our lives. And that distraction then causes us to miss what God is saying to us. That distraction takes us off the path that God would have us on. That distraction causes us to miss what God has for us. Because we're so focused on those who have hurt us or have done this to us or have done that to us that we miss God. And he says, I want you to have my peace. No matter what they're doing to you, you're at peace with me that you won't miss anything. And it will guard your heart. Catch this now. Against your sin back towards that person. Your anger back towards that person. What you desire to do back towards that person. It will give you a perfect peace that those who harm you, God will harm them. Because of who you are in Christ Jesus. And you don't have to do it. Amen? Peace. Continue to study that word out. What God wants for you. And understand this. James says it this way. With wisdom, God's wisdom, there's a peace. God's advice is always peaceful. And you and I 
We need peace in this troubled world. We need peace. And God will grant it to you if you'll walk with Him. And you'll be faithful to Him. You'll be loyal to Him. And you love His Word. And you seek His peace. You desire His peace. Lord, give me the mind of Christ that I have your peace. Lord, I understand your scripture. You said, Lord, a man born of a woman would have trouble all his days. But Lord, give me peace that I can follow you through the troubles. When the doctor put me on pills to help me with my mind for a while, God gave me Roger right next door to me. Boy, we could just sit in that yard and he would just hold me some time and let me cry. And He didn't know what to do, but he, he would just put his arm around me. and just I guess if some folks in the street looked at us, they, they thought, what's going on up in there? You know. But he would just hold me. And I remember when the doctor told me, most likely you're going to be on these mind pills for the rest of your life just to help you. No, I'm not, Lord. Lord, you're going to give me peace of mind. Because I was fearful the moment Elaine took off to work or she was absent from me. I'd be fearful in that house. Couldn't be by myself. A lot of other things just troubled me. Like never had trouble before. But God will restore the mind. He'll give you peace that you can live day to day. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, O God, for your Holy Spirit who is cultivating these qualities in us because we are your saints, we are your people. That he is giving us, O God, the ability to love with an agape love. A love that wants to give. A love that wants to esteem people. A love that wants to build up people. A love, oh God, that is able to suffer long with people. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the joy. And we thank you for the peace. And we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will continue to just, oh God, produce these qualities in us. And bring them to the surface, oh God, that we're living them out. We're not just talking about them, but we're doing them. We're living them. We're experiencing them. And in experiencing them, we're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because we know it's not of our own strength. We know it's not of our doing. We know that it's something more than ourselves. For you are the one who keeps us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And Lord, help us, O oh God, to consciously be aware of Thee, constantly talking to You, constantly praising You, constantly thanking You, asking, asking You to help us to even do this little thing or that little thing or this difficult thing. That, Lord, we're asking You constantly, O oh God, to do what You have promised. Never leave us, nor forsake us, but to be present constantly with us, that we may receive your instructions 
to be a people who overcome whatever it is in our lives that we need to overcome. To go through any difficulty, any problem, any troubles that come our way. That we have the ability, Lord, to face them and to go through them. Lord, minister to us. For we are your people. With all of our faults, we're your people. But we're so thankful. He who has promised to do a good work in us will continue it until the day of Christ. And we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, it starts there. Seeking Him is seeking peace. For He is the Prince of Peace. And it begins with Him. If you've never accepted Him, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. And I turn from them. And I ask that you become Lord of my life, Savior of my life, Savior of my soul. That, Lord, you would work in me for your glory and for your praise. I surrender totally to you right now in the name of Jesus. I surrender. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Speak to my heart that I might know that I am saved. That I am saved from above. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, would you let me know?